Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Oteil Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Osiris. All right, all right, all right. We are live. Happy Wednesday, January 19th to all of you out there in the world of fish deep dive interest. It's a niche community, you know, <laughs> we are, but we but we are bringing you what you want. Uh, my name is Brian. I'm here with my good friends, Megan and Jonathan. We are going to be talking to you today about a fish run that just celebrated its fifth anniversary and a relevant fifth anniversary because we will be returning to the land of free tacos and margaritas and beachside fish vibes here in the next couple of weeks. We're going to be focusing on Mexico 
2017. A really underrated and fascinating run. I'm really excited to dive into this. But um, before we do, before we get to any sort of business, Meg, how are you doing here today in the middle of winter, like the true middle of winter? How are you? I'm good today. Any day that I get to talk to the both of you is a good day for me. It's a good day for me. And anytime I can listen to some good 3.0, I'm happy. After last week, it was a pleasure. You say that as though that there's some bad 3.0. I feel like we need to dive deep into this. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to start it already. (laughs) But John, how how are you doing here today? That was great until you started that little line there. No. <laughs> You'll see. I woke up this morning and thought it was Thursday and that I was 45 minutes late mm. for a doctor's appointment. So uh, it's not Thursday and <laughs> I get to do this instead of that. So uh, I'm, I'm good. I'm pretty good. You're good. You you did not miss a doctor's appointment and you didn't miss HF Pod, HF Pod Live. So these are all good things yet for the doctor's appointment, but you are here for HF Pod Live. So we're in a good spot. Sure. Um I'm doing okay. I'm coming off of a four-day weekend in Missoula, Montana, my favorite town in America. I saw some good friends, and um, for a variety of reasons, I am paying the price for it, but uh, we will just leave it at that. Montana is truly God's country. We'll leave it at that, too. It's an amazing (laughs) place to be. Um, I really, really enjoyed listening back to this run. I have many opinions about this run, and I have some pretty significant memories of this run. This came at a unique point in my life. And um, there there was a meeting of stuff happening in my life and this run that I, I'm excited to talk about. But before we do that, business at hand, Jonathan, would you like to tell us about our sponsor for HF Pod Live? I sure would. Uh, we are sponsored by our good friends at Sunset Lake CBD. Sunset Lake CBD is a farmer-owned business that ships CBD products directly from their farm to your door. Oh, I'm a little off on my aim. Your door. Uh, that's a sight gag for all you podcast listeners, uh, so sorry about that. For years, Sunset Lake has been, was a Vermont dairy farm producing milk for Ben & Jerry's ice cream. In 2018, they diversified and started growing hemp for CBD. Uh, with a product for everyone, they offer pre-rolls, hemp cigars, hemp flowers, as well as tinctures, gummies, CBD coffee crafted to help reduce stress, aches, and pains. Sunset Lake CBD saves you money by shipping high-quality CBD products directly from their farm to your door. Visit sunsetlakecbd.com and use promo code HFPOD for 20% off your purchase. That's sunsetlakecbd.com, promo code HFPOD. Absolutely. Sunset Lake does some great stuff, and we love, love partnering with them. So... Mexico 2017. Let's set the table here. This is Fish's second run in Mexico. They famously announced in September of 2015 this first all-inclusive run in Mexico that would take place that January over MLK weekend. There was, as with most change in the fish world, there were those of us who were like, cool, they're playing Mexico. Fish shows in the middle of January. Well, there was another cadre. Can I, in can, the, I uh, can I take that the um, elitist bullshit? Yes. That's what it was. Um, they running off for the playing for the rich, leaving us pours out. 
They're just going to uh, play a bunch I'm, of. I'm sure I heard someone say that. Yes. Oh, no, that was where I was going. Um, because there was also, you know, that whole, they're just going to play the hits. They're not going to jam. They're not going to go deep. And, you know, there's always that, no matter what the, what the band does from an evolutionary standpoint. The fact of the matter is no one really knew. No one knew. The best odds were that they would play a regular fish show. (laughs) And it turns out they kind of did. Well, and as we're seeing with right now, uh, Sky Blue Sky Fest is going on in Mexico. As we're seeing, the last five years have kind of been this game changer where you don't want to get into a tour bus and drive around the United States of America in January. Totally understand it. People still need fair. You know, I don't want to do it. Uh, People still need to see live music. And so obviously there is a certain sector that can afford to do a trip like this. The band goes down there. Thanks to technology, they stream everything. So those of us who are back in America can still watch it and soak it in for free. And for the next couple of months ahead of summer tour, you get a couple of fish shows to listen to. Uh, That 2016 run, if I recall, had a slightly tepid first show. The second show has an incredible cities, a really cool second set. And the third night has that amazing down with disease shipwreck segment, chalk dust or uh, uh, cross out and painless shipwreck segment. And I remember when they announced 2017, the same weekend, same location, people were coming into this pretty, pretty amped up. Um, let's set the context. Meg, what do you recall about the kind of, period in time that fish was in leading up to Mexico 2017. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting time for them. I think their sound was changing a lot on that fall tour and they were coming off of the Ziggy Stardust cover on Halloween, which was awesome. They had some pretty decent shows at MSG for New Year's Eve. I was actually at New Year's Eve that year. It was my first New Year's Eve back in a long time. And uh, I was really excited to be back. And you know, I think the 1230 show was awesome. And I remember listening to that as I was kind of getting ready to go in for the New Year's Eve show. Um, The New Year's Eve show was interesting. I mean, what a production. It was so cool. Like the umbrellas and Petrichor and the tab horn section. I'm a huge tab fan. So that was cool. But, you know, it was, I wanted a bit of more party vibe, but, but it was great. But I thought, that coming into these Mexico shows, it was really interesting to see, like, are they going to be bringing kind of more heavy jamming into this? Or are they going to continue kind of what they were doing more in the summer? So I was excited about it. I remember listening to these shows and I didn't live stream them, but I know I listened to them and I was, I was really excited about it. And I loved returning to them now, especially like we got to see the last one on dinner and a movie, which was really fun to see that third night. And a banger night it was. Uh, Jonathan, what, what were your thoughts kind of as we were leading up to Mexico 2017? Uh, honestly, I couldn't, can't, I can barely remember where I was, uh, back then and what was happening and what my thoughts were. I I think I could probably go back and hear it in a podcast. Um, and I considered doing that (laughs) last week. I was like, I wonder what we said about all this stuff on the, uh, the helping friendly podcast, uh, of old, but I, I didn't. And, um, Really, like, you know, I thought they were playing well. I saw the Halloween run that fall, and that was, like, it for me. I didn't do New Year's, and um, I remember loving Petrichor from home, which is, you know, probably the best way to digest that um, if Mm -hmm. you're not right square in front and 
yeah. at the show and, and digging on it um, because the video production of that was amazing. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was, I'm, I'm like right in the middle of the two factions on the Mexico thing. It's not a trip that I can do. It just doesn't mm. really work. It's expensive. My wife's not into it. She would, she likes fish, but she would rather not go to the beach with a bunch of fish fans. And whatever. <laughs> That's how my husband. Most feels. of you guys I are totally cool, but she's met some of you out there, and some of the folks out there are just not the same as everybody else. Anyways, if it was just going to be like you guys, you two, I mean, we, it, yeah. we'd be chill. It would be fun. We could but, do this. But that um, would be awesome. Anyway, so I, it's just not really in the cards for me, and particularly then. And I, so I was a little bit like, ah, but at the same time, there's always shows that I'm going to miss and pretty quickly put that annoyance behind me. But you'll still hear hints of it when I point out that Mexico doesn't count uh, for <laughs> statistics. I don't really mean that. It's just a joke that I keep repeating for year, years on end now. Um, obviously, Mexico counts. They're real concerts. People paid to go there. They paid a lot to go there, and from all reports, and I've heard many, it's a blast. And it looks so fun. You know, they'd done it before, so there were a lot of people who went back. They were excited, immediately rebooked, you know, for the next one when they announced it, and uh, good, good on them. Uh, And I think it really paid off this time. I think this this run, more so than the year before, is a little more fully realized. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I think it is. I, I I I echo what both of you are saying in terms of where the band was at the time. I think if you go back and you look at um, kind of that 2016, 2017 period as like a big chunk of fish, um, Megan, I think you're totally right. They were in this period of transition. I've always pinpointed that final show of the summer tour, the, the Chula Vista show, as this kind of wake-up call in a lot of cases. That, that summer tour... Mm-hmm. Uh, 2016, there were a lot of kind of roadblocks the band continued to be hitting. Uh, It felt as though they were not fully successful from an improvisational standpoint. They were introducing a lot of new songs. And while you had some great moments, SPAC comes to mind, uh, the Great Woods show, the Hartford show, um, parts of the Gorge run, parts of the Bill Graham run. The, the t- summer tour to my years felt a little bit uneven. And then they play this incredible final show of the tour at Chula Vista. They follow that up with a great, great night at uh, Lockin, followed by a really solid night two nights later. They play this outstanding Dick's Run fall tour from basically start to finish through the Bowie set is incredible. New Year's Eve, you've got that Golden Age jam that kind of echoes the Golden Age jam from Vegas. Obviously, the 1230 show 2016 that some of us, many of us, all of us can just gush about that second set for hours. Just put the recorder on and I will just go and I don't know when I'm going to stop talking about it. It's such a great show. (laughs) But coming into this, like it felt, okay, this seems to be a continuation of where the band has been at. Looking at it from afar, to your point, Jonathan, they came into this really feeling on a high uh, and, and you hear it almost from the beginning of the run, um, definitely in that second set on night one. And while there's a break between this run and the summer tour, the band kind of takes the energy from this run 
and and brings it in a lot of cases into this incredible summer 2017 tour where you have five shows, the Baker's dozen and then Dick's. And so it feels like a bridge from 2016 to 2017 to my ears. Um, I have a couple counters or asides. Please said, but I was biting my tongue not to interrupt that. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, detail laden, uh, Diatribe? I don't know. what Whatever you just did. That was great. Um, no, uh, first of all, I forgot that Lockin was in 2016. I was at yeah. that. It was fun, but I think I forgot that, that too. Uh, my overall feeling of 2016, and I think it's shared, was that, particularly this summer, is, is that it's not quite as high as 2015. Summer. Yeah. Uh, I think summer hit some, in 2015, it just hit some points that uh 2016 tried for and it was kind of a down year uh the fall was good i do remember enjoying the fall and obviously the halloween run uh the other thing i i think that's interesting it's maybe a little jumping ahead uh is that at the end of harry hood on the third night at this run that we're going to talk about trace says you know i'm going to get i'm going to quote him poorly but he says something to the effect of it's been a great year Mm -hmm. so it 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 seems like in his mind is he seeing this as the end of fish's year now they're going on vacation they'll be back well they'll be back in the summer i was thinking that too i mean they kind of like retire off until until the summer and you know that they're so excited two weeks yeah it's only been two weeks yeah, it's not a long time. And then in two weeks from these shows is the announcement of the Baker's Dozen. So yeah. they know that that's coming. So they've got to be super, super pumped up. And I feel like that energy is definitely, I think it shows in the, in these shows, at least in some of them, some of the sets especially. I was thinking about that as well. And and one thought I have just to add to it is that there was a sense and there were rumors going into the end of 2016 that 2017 was going to be a light year. And we'll get to this when we dive into the 115 show. But that show to me feels like the end of an era. And I don't know what that era is because the band would only play six months later. But it felt when they started it and when they ended that show that they left everything on the table. And they said, if we don't come back or if we come back in a different manner here, at least you have this last show to really go out on. While obviously to your point, Megan, they would announce the Baker's dozen in two weeks, 2017. If you look back to it from a touring standpoint is incredibly light from a musical standpoint is incredibly like deep and like heavy filled with just great music. Mm -hmm. I think that makes the case. What you just said kind of makes the case for this being the end of at minimum the year. This is yeah. Vicious 2016 closed off, and they end it with a bang, but we are mm-hmm. perhaps getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, should we get into it? I think we should get into it. Let's talk yeah. here. Let's look at night one, set one. Um, what are your guys, Megan, what are your thoughts kind of overall on this first set to bring us into 2017's Mexico run? Yeah, I really like the end of this first set, especially this NICU into Horn, into Wolfman's. It's not into, but Wolfman's after that. The NICU is just a super sentimental song for me. So anytime they play it, I'm always excited. This one's played with a lot of energy. Into Horn, which is one of my most favorite songs. That song just immediately brings me back to my 17-year-old self listening to Rift on the floor of my bedroom. And I'm just like 
pining for, you know, some boy. But I think this Wolfman's also is just awesome. Super bluesy licks over this like deep funk. It's good. But also then has this like great, amazing celebratory peaks at the end. This is just, I think I will listen to this, return to this Wolfman's. It's really fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that's probably my highlight. I, I like that whole run there at the end. But I also, you know, I like that they just go ahead and embrace the sort of obvious of playing Let's yeah. get all these water sands, you know, splashing yeah. in the sea, sand, theme. Uh, it, there's probably some more water in those other songs. But uh, I, I like that they just embrace it. And they do it again really throughout the run, which is fine and cool and probably am going to have to go to Mexico just to hear a song I heard the ocean sing, Sons of Bitches. But Jonathan, uh, we can just go together and hang out together and ignore everyone else. Yeah, that'd be all right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is interesting. Like if you look at, if you look at the Our set list, like free Yarmouth Road, Sand, and Theme all kind of seem like this quartet of both beachside vibes and beachside songs and then they play funky bitch and undermined and it's kind of like okay now's the, now the show's starting like funky bitch could have been the opening of the of the run it's a grooving funky bitch i don't know you really we say that a lot but that's a pretty grooving version um yeah and then yeah the set really really takes off there yeah they kind of find flow undermined is one of those songs they had played a version this is going back a year, but on the January 1st, 2016 show, they play a version of Undermine that stretches to about 11 minutes and never really goes type two, but it showcases like they, they do a lot of teases and there's a lot of just, you know, new ideas kind of thrown into there. And it was really a song at this time where it felt like the band was able to just take the riff and play around with it and distort it and mess around with it here and there. And kind of the rhythm gets all messed up. And that feels like a, a moment where they get a little loose you know we're midway through the first set mm -hmm. the weather's great this is our second time here it's kind of that return vibe that they get when they go back to uh, a venue that they particularly love where you know a year earlier some cool stuff happened now we're all back and it just feels like we blinked an eye and we woke up back in mexico and how cool is this uh and then the wolfman's to end it out i definitely agree with you maggie like that mix of blues and funk is something that's going to really inform their jamming as we move into 2017 and as they try to expand on it. And you really start to hear that here in the Wolfman's. Um, moving into the second set, I hear one of my favorite segments of music in all of 2017 in this set. Talk about flow, talk mm. about improvisation, you talk about just creativity to me this entire second set is about fuego to caspian to twist to seven below that is about as good as you can get from a nuanced subtle fish jamming very cordial slow builds interesting song selection not really what anybody would write down as what they want to hear but somehow it all works <laughs> uh what are your guys thoughts when you think about this the second set as a whole but also this segment john well i i, I like a song i heard the ocean sing i think it's a perfect opener for any it set works, yeah. honestly it's it's a lot of fun it has so much potential uh mm -hmm. untapped potential um, 
I, I would like to single out this wedge too. It's a really nice, it's not an extended version, but it's a real nice version. Trey really like leans into the kind of the, the bends and the kind of more soulful licks in there. And it's an outstanding version. I actually put this set on my, uh, my headphones, these, these headphones that you see right here and took a nice walk the other, the other day and listened to this set. And, uh, and that's actually where I started. I listened to the song I heard the ocean sing on stereo. And I put the wedge on and went for a walk. And that was ripping. And then the Fuego has a nice mm. jam. Uh, Caspian is good and leads into, actually goes into Twist. And I think the Twist jam might be my highlight for the night. Uh, this Twist jam, yes, it, they play, they tease tequila. And that's kind of cheesy. But also fun. But there's yeah. also some real like serious meat and jamming in this twist that is uh, well worth everybody's time. Um, I'm kind of surprised that it's under 10 minutes, given how much mm. happens in that song. And then again, goes nicely into Seven Below, which is uh, feels far more standard even than the twist does, even though it's yeah. technically longer. So I dig it. Meg? Yeah, I agree. The flow of the set's amazing. I mean, they're clearly listening to each other so well. Everyone seems to be playing kind of with their own ideas, but also listening really closely. It's just such a great set. Fishman is on fire during this whole show, but especially the set. I know we were texting about Fuego, and I thought him, the way he's playing during Fuego is just so incredible. He comes, it gets really quiet, and then he comes when it starts to build. He's coming in with these like huge drum beats that are just like kind of like echo through and it's beautiful. And I just thought that jam was amazing. I love that Fuego. Also love the Caspian, how it gets like nasty and dark and the flow from Fuego into Seven Below, that whole flow, that whole stretch there is just incredible. I also like the twist. I like the dancey kind of beachy jam. I think it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. And the Seven Below is great too. I mean, it's just a great set. It's kind of just amazing to me that like their their opening show here, so their fourth show at Mexico, the meat of the second set is Fuego, Caspian, Twist, Seven Below. Like on paper, that just kind of looks like a jumble of ideas. And okay, Fuego yeah. faded out and here's Caspian. Okay, Caspian is Caspian. Now here's Twist. But you see the direct segue. So that piques your curiosity. And the direct segue into Seven Below, when you listen to it, it all feels like a composed whole and it speaks to me of kind of what we were talking about earlier in the show, these bits and pieces of late 2016 that the band has picked up and the band has put themselves in a position to really communicate with each other and really jam on a, on a deeper level than they had been, even in some parts of 2015. Like it, it really feels as though, and I feel, I, I hear it really in this Fuego, Trey is trying to move to the background. And it may mm -hmm. be that they're already thinking ahead towards the Baker's Dozen, because by this point it's booked. It's just not announced. Who knows? But it feels like he's trying to coax Mike and Paige to kind of rise above a little bit and 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 push their jamming, which we'll hear in the next couple of nights, and, and we will hear even more so uh in the next year. Uh the one thing I do want to say just to close the loop on this show, the night prior to this, 
Uh, we were getting my son ready to go to bed and he just projectile vomited all over our uh, living room. And so he stayed home the next day. My wife was already sick. So I put them to bed on this Friday evening and I watched this show solo, which sometimes is like the greatest experience. You're mm -hmm. just on the couch. You just get the show. The living room's all to yourself. Well, the next morning I woke up and whatever it was, it caught me. And I spent all day Saturday, the 14th, just struggling and thinking in my head, am I even going to be able to stream the show tonight? Like, I feel <laughs> so terrible. Priorities. We must have them. Seriously? Uh, we must have them. The great oh, yeah. thing was I wasn't there. It was just on my couch. But uh, by about showtime, I started to feel a little bit better. And as the show went on, uh, I kind of came out of this like 24-hour bug. And that's where we find ourselves on Saturday, January 14th, 2017. Um, the puke and rally. You're ready to go. Puke and rally. Uh, puke and couch to a rally. Uh, John. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot easier if you're on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> this... This show to me feels like the, we're going to play some big songs, but we're also going to play our new songs and really start, you know, treat this as like an album release moment in Mexico. John, what are your thoughts on the first set of the second night, uh, January 14th, 2017? There are a lot of songs. That um, is true. But is it many of them are good. So uh, that's okay. Um, I love the curtain with as a show opener. Uh, I think it sets a nice tone. Mm -hmm. uh, Trey, it's a good one too. Uh, by bag, Trey is really ripping. Uh, and then Breath and Burning, it's cool. It's cool. And then um, I'm going to be honest with you. I jump ahead in my mind already to Halfway to the Moon. I love Halfway to the Moon. I love, Same. love, love that song. Just keep the pattern till June. Um, and that's 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 what I need. Uh, I also <laughs> I also think that the tube fast enough for you is kind of a hilarious uh, like ribbing of the audience. Um, everybody begging for tube jam. Uh, they're making fun of you for that. <laughs> uh, but then the ocelot is is nice and stretchy. And followed by the chalk dust, which is also nice and stretchy. And that is probably the best, the, the real like cream of the set is the, mm -hmm. again the ending. They really kind of push themselves right on the end there. And I love that. Meg, what are your thoughts on this set? Yeah, there are a lot of songs. I mean, I think there's like 10 songs or something. And looking at the set list, you're just, to me, I have a hard time seeing kind of the through line. But I do think the end is just, I think Chalk Dust is great and one of my favorite for set closers. And I, I like this version a lot. It's really, it's really fun. Yeah, I'm right there with both of you guys. I mean, I remember when they opened up with Curtain With, they, they had opened the final show of Mexico 2016 with Curtain With. So at this time, this was like one of the first versions, I mean, it, it was, it was a rare song in the mid 2010s where you were hearing it like once every 25 to 48 shows. I think the Mexico 2016 version was like a 48 show gap. So it felt like a true nod back to Mexico and it felt like a big opener Saturday night curtain with takes up 14 minutes of real estate. Pretty much every second of it is gorgeous and is the type of song that 
It's only been played like 40 times in the band's history. So there's a lot of people out there who have only seen one or two curtain wins. It's not a song that like, even though it takes up a lot of time, you're kind of, you know, you're not, I'm going to say something and I'm going to regret saying it, but I'm just going to say it anyway. So <laughs> Divided Sky is my favorite fish song of all time, but like everyone's seen enough Divided Skies mm-hmm. that when they play it, you're like, okay, if I need to go to the bathroom, maybe now is the time to go. I'm, I'm regretting already saying it, but there it is with curtain with you've never, you know, most people have only seen one or two versions. It's special. It feels it's like a special it's, song. It's special. And I see Jonathan mm-hmm. shaking his head. Divided sky. I would never go to the bathroom during divided sky. I'm just saying hypothetically, Damn there's right. someone out there who has seen <laughs> it 13 times and is like, okay, I can, I can go now and I can still hear it. You imagine this is going to be a big start to a second to a first set. It does not necessarily lead that way. It feels kind of herky-jerky. And then you get to this closing segment of the first set. The tube, Fast Enough for You, Ocelot, Chalk Dust, Torture. I could listen to those four songs on a loop and be so happy. Every version is great. Tube, not super long, but has a little bit of jamming. Ocelot, stretchy is the right word. They're just like, they're in no rush. And it feels peak first set dead to me like that's what that song mm. always does it just feels like a lazy middle of the first set grateful dead playing in a stadium just stretching it out you know there were people who were like "Ooh, ocelot i'm going to the can and then came I back do. and they're like yeah. still ocelot <laughs> yeah. what happened <laughs> and then I mean, you there get- was a line and everything And there was a line. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get uh, chalk dust and it's just a really hyper creative chalk dust torture that fits perfectly here in a, in a year coming off of 2016. Um, There weren't as many deep chalk dust as we had heard throughout 13, 14 and 15. So it felt kind of like a return in some cases and it previews a really solid year for Choctaw's Torture, where we're going to hear a fantastic version of the Baker's Dozen and a great version of MSG 2017. I like the end of this first set. And to me, it leads really nicely into a second set that I don't think has many as many highs as the night before. But I think from start to finish flows just as well. Um, Meg, I'm going to start. I with really you. like, I really like this set. I love cross-eyed and painless. I love that as an opener, so much energy. I think they came out and oh, just yeah. were ready to go. Like so fun. And I think the whole flow of this set's awesome. I mean, there's no stopping points. Every song's a segue. Good blaze on the meat stick, some jam with the cross-eyed teases in like meat stick and mercury and light. I, I think the winter queen is nicely placed after meat stick. Mercury, I love that song, and I think this is a great version. And then Light, beautiful version. And Waiting in the Velvet Sea, perfect set closer. I think that's really nice, for especially being in Mexico. I think that's kind of like a really nice way. I love that song so much, and I think it's a nice set closer for that. And the encores, super fun. I remember I was listening to that this week and just like stopped during Drowned and was just like, dancing like crazy because it's so good at all the quotes all the cross-eyed and painless quotes it's great really celebratory rocking ending to that song yeah it's a it's a kind of a ripping little set and mm-hmm. it's not little it's not short or anything um the cross-eyed and painless i think i really feel like that kind of pre-sages set two of the next night 
Um, it's got mm-hmm. a similar energy, but that they carry a good bit further on the next night. Um, even the meat stick is pretty good. I'm not a big meat yeah. stick guy. <laughs> really good. Uh, Winter Winter Queen is a nice like landing point in the middle, and then uh, good Mercury light. And I love waiting in the Velvet Sea as a closer too. I think it, mm-hmm. I, maybe not all the time, maybe not every time, but I think it works really beautifully here, particularly with the like double like whammy of drowned Rocky Top as encores. Drowned is an encore. I mean, come on, that's a <sighs> That's awesome. an opener, right? That's that's yeah. 2009 summer set to opener. Totally. Lock it in. Um, but here we go. You know, this is a great way to close a show. Yeah, you've got the first uh, type two meat stick since July 30th, 2014 in Portsmouth, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And it's a great one. I'm right there with you. Like if you're going to open up the second set with two jam vehicles that don't totally get outside the box and then you're going to play meat stick i'm kind of looking at you uh side-eyed like what what's going on here with this set um but they they figure out this very cool jam segment out of meat stick and then it fades into winter queen which i'm right there with you guys i mean i saw a version in san francisco this year that just blew me away it's 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 such a fascinating tray composition in that it it feels so delicate and like it could break but then the solo comes in and it's so powerful and it just like is all consuming and by the end of the solo you're just like that was a ballad i that, yeah. are you kidding me you know like it just it just yeah. bowls you over um to me though this set's all about light and it's it's a really pretty version of light and it's a version of light that comes unfortunately we're not going to get great versions of light throughout the remainder of 2017 the the baker's version doesn't li- you know it, it, it doesn't live up to where 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 the baker's jamming was the dick's version is fairly good but cuts off really quickly for uh rise come together and the uh 1230 17 version i think that they put all their jamming into that 28 minute down with disease and and didn't carry it over as much into light this version you've got a really great percussive segment from fishman pages all over it it reminds me a lot of the magna ball version as well as the version from lockin that trey is just playing these really pretty riffs kind of repeating them over and over again it gets kind of hypnotic and it almost feels like it could be the set closer itself, but I'm right there with you guys that like closing a beachside set with waiting in the velvet sea. You you don't need to see anything more. There's no cavern needed. There's no, you know, Rocky top needed at this point. Like just put down the instruments at the end of waiting. And I remember when they opened up with drown for the encore, you kind of felt like at this point in the run to my years, fish has played a very nuanced, but very, committed to a style run thus far there hasn't been a ton of humor and drowned rocky top are kind of these moments of like the band winking at you of like yeah drowned is a set to opener but we're playing right by the water so we're gonna play (laughs) drowned here in the encore and it's got teases it's it's super fun it's super rocking and it does a really nice job of leading us into uh the the final night of this run um where i felt much better overall um any final thoughts Thank here on goodness. the 14th i know right <laughs> any final thoughts here on the 14th yeah i mean they open that encore with drowned and 
there's got to be a moment where somebody's like, oh, they're playing a third set. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. But, and yet they keep it to, to like seven and a half minutes. Yeah. Damn. Impressive, yeah. really. It's good stuff. Oh. And then we yeah. go to the final night, which, as we talked about here earlier, this kind of feels like the end of something. We don't know what. And I'm just going to come out and say it. This show fucks hard. Like it is as energized. Family program, dude. We're on in the afternoon. Like you never hear that on Oprah. The FCC is calling right now. Um, No, it like, (laughs) what a show, man. Like show is awesome. Yeah. It's it's like a greatest hit show combined with, Hey, we're going to throw some jams in there. There's going to be some humor. We're going to play songs like, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but they ended the show by going Possum Karini Bowie Hood Slave Tweezer Reprise. What's <laughs> ridiculous? Hell? It's ridiculous. It's, it's incredible. And it what starts year with this. I know, exactly. right? It starts like a 96 with this list. boogie on reggae woman that Trey messes up the lyrics, which adds almost immediately <laughs> to the overall vibe of the show. Um, I love John, it. He's like, I know this line. I know this <laughs> line. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's how we lead into it. John, what are your thoughts on set one here? Man, uh, so you pretty much got my notes on Boogie on Reggae Woman. It's good. It's a good way to open. It's, you know, again, you're at the beach. People are in the, the Caribbean right there. That's sweet. Um, and then uh, Simple is pretty ordinary. It gets itself nice and quiet pretty quickly. And then Tweezer. Now, I know everybody on that beach is going, oh, shit. They're throwing the tweezer down. And they don't go hard on this tweezer, but it's good. It's a straight-ahead tweezer, uh, really nice, which is what you, you know, like, frankly, a first-set tweezer, it ought to do this. It ought to do what this Mm -hmm. one does, just kind of get you in the the, the mood, opens the freezer, anything can happen hereafter. Nice Roger. Nothing. Nothing's a breezy oh, little tune. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ghost, y'all. This ghost is where it's at. This ghost is mm-hmm. so fucking good. It's so good. Um, it's got all kinds of little jams in it too. It's not just straight ghost funky jam. Um, and and I want to just. Because you guys probably have notes on it, so I won't I won't talk all night about it. But I I want to highlight this when Ghost ends, they go pretty much right into Yamar and listen to Mike as they go into Yamar out of that Ghost. He is on fire, flying into the riffs for Yamar. It is it sounds really nice on the Live Fish soundboard. He's playing it really well. It's you got to you got to go. If those of y'all who are did not do the homework. <laughs> that are listening to us talk about it. Go listen to that bit. Listen to the ghost, but focus when the Yamar comes on because it's really cool. And uh, stealing time's cool. Rift's cool, and a big fluffhead to close the set. Jesus, like okay, great. Fish is playing pretty well right here. That's yeah, you got to be happy with this. Yeah, yeah. you got to be happy with this <laughs> set. I mean, all. I think once Tweezer gets going, I think the set really takes off, and they're playing like pretty ferociously after that i think stealing time they rip it i mean it's so good yeah it's so energized so tight 
they just sound hungry. Rift is fantastic version into Fluffhead. I mean, so good. I also think that Mike in general sounds awesome in the mix for this whole run. I don't know if there was something different, but I was hearing him a lot, which is fun. Sounds yeah, nice. I, um, I, I, I just want to say anybody who's disappointed at the tweezer, they make up for the ghost, but really the big jamming is yet to come. Just it is. <laughs> and, and I think this set, Jeez. like, you know, there's an argument to be made that like tweezer and ghost, these are second set songs that, that should be jammed out. I you think know, that I they serve. That I know you do. And I'm, I think I'm going to defend you here on that. Um, I think, I hope that's my attempt. Um, you know, there is something about a set like this where songs like tweezer and ghost don't necessarily need to serve type two jamming purposes, but more serve the shock value purpose where boogie on simple opens up and then we go into tweezer and oh my God, the third song of the night, the final show of the run, we're playing tweezer. It doesn't need to go 25 minutes. It could, but it doesn't really need to. And the fade into Roger is really the purpose here where like the breather is a song that all three of us are on full commitment and agreement <laughs> on is an incredible fish ballad, right? I don't need to <laughs> take any questions. I mean, here. it's just a the delightful music construct. Is. Yes, yes, um, it's and, the music. And, you know, it's the circus is the place to be. It's all about this scene. It's just mm. singing right to us, you know, it's literally <laughs> know. talking about something that Mike Gordon said, you know, it's self-referential and, uh, and really know, it just strikes me as a little music. like, God, yeah, I'm not going to get, listen, we can have a whole other episode where I talk about my feelings about Roger. I'm definitely going to yes. tell you that throwing back a little bit, I'm not going to go to the bathroom during Divided Sky. It would be more like halfway to the moon, which I like, but I'm just saying, if there's going to be a bathroom song, it's going to be that over Divided I, Sky. I mean, Ryan. if you're choosing between those two songs, <laughs> if, I, I get you. I, I, I just don't pee during music. That's a fair point. You yeah. just hold them to, yeah. the, to the break. That's <laughs> just, a good point. You hold it. I, I also I, don't drink beers in concerts, so that helps. This is a good. <laughs> that helps a lot. That's a good strategy. When I when I stopped doing that, I was like, wait, I can hang out for this whole show. Um, exactly. I think like just it's cheaper in, too. There, there's nothing else I can add to like the ghost conversation. You you guys said it all, and I I think at the end of the day, this set feels like a statement. It feels like no matter what song we're playing here is a song that the majority of the fan base loves. And even when it's in a situation like, uh, like stealing time, which is like an updated character zero, even if it's not your favorite song, it's not the song everyone's asking for in this slot. It's a song that's still going to like overwhelm you with its power. And then we're going to end with rift, which feels like kind of a wink, wink towards the curtain with from the night before and Fluffhead, which is one of the most, it's on par with probably seven to 10 other fish songs in terms of its significance that no matter where you're at, no matter what they've played that night, when they play Fluffhead, all eyes are on the stage for, for the next, you know, 15 minutes. And it felt like one of those shows that I remember couch touring at home feeling like I'm a little exhausted after that. Like, how was that just the first set? <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. It's kind yeah. of great, yeah. you know. It, it had it in a show too. It's just like, oh, 
Man. I don't know how I can do one more. Oh, yeah, I've and, definitely and, felt like that. And it does a number that. on you, you know, like you know there's songs left, but you're like, how, what, how are they going to follow that? I mean, Jesus, you know, they'll play Down With Disease for 40 minutes. That would be okay. <laughs> um, you know? What you... The vibe and, of uh, what are they going to, what do they have left is a fun vibe because you're right. Like we spend so much time nitpicking and, and picking apart the history of this band and yet you can walk away from a 90 minute set going, I don't know if they have any more songs. Yeah. And that's how intense the experience was. <laughs> and this one isn't even as songy as the first set from the night before, but it's right. just, you know, yeah. they've, they've put so much into this. Um, I, I teased it. Is it okay if I go forward here? Um, Please. Set two opens with down with disease. It's, I, I, I'm literally of two minds when set two opens with down with disease. Part of my brain is going, you know, you start to hear that, the, the, the set, the effects, right? Like, you know, and you're like, and part of me, part of my brain says, yeah, okay. Saw that. Um, and the other part of my brain is like, yes, let's go. <laughs> <'Cause>, uh, <laughs> and that's the part of course that feeds me the endorphins. So it's, it's a good one. Um, and this, I think, I think this one pays off, and it really sets a mood that doesn't quit. This set, I mean, they they basically don't stop until mm-hmm. David Bowie ends, and then they, you know, throw something else pretty hot after it. Uh, but <laughs> down with disease, no man in no man's land, sneak and Sally, uh, those are just like bang, 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 big, jammy peaky dance numbers i think the peak in no men in no man's land is probably bigger than the down with disease peak um sneak and sally just uh, you know you know how that feels to anybody mm-hmm. particularly i i know you megan having been there through when this song came back in mm-hmm. the 90s and it just it was a completely different thing when it came back it's suddenly like oh now we're dancing um, yes and, <laughs> yes this is my favorite yes. kind of fish you, I, I could just imagine a whole floor full of fish heads you know doing like some sort of weird psychedelic line dance to this song <laughs> it comes out some um it's just uh we're getting down in the soup yes. right um and even possum the possum mm-hmm. is pretty like firework laden um i i mm. I, I'm going to stop. I have more comments, but I think you guys need to talk a little bit about this stuff. I have more comments about what remains, but I just, I, it's, uh, this is a great set. Tell us, really tell me more yeah. about it. I mean, Meg, I feel like if thoughts? I was, I feel like if I was at this set, I would have been like pissing my pants happy. Like I think every song yeah. that comes on, they just totally rip. I mean, the down with disease has just incredible peaks and it, the jam into no men, it just lands so well into no men. And then this one just, rocks which i love this song Perfect. and i love this version is so good sneak and sally makes me so happy yes jonathan you, i'm like huge dancer i like kind of like gritty funky fish <laughs> it's time yeah shit to dance to like let's fucking sweat yeah i love it possum is great karini like every time that song comes on i like die inside i'm so happy because i just want to like, get angry and like release like just lots of energy and just like fucking rage you know i just i love karini and then david bowie like at this point your head's just like 
exploding. And I think you can hear it too, like when you listen on Live Fish, like the crowd goes apeshit when they go into Karini. And then it ends in that like weird, cool dissonance. And then Bowie comes out. I mean, I feel like there's probably like some tears of joy that like came down people's faces. I mean, this is like so good. The, uh, Setless dreams are made of. During the, yes. uh, during the hi-hat Sally, intro, which Sally of course the is there also at the big early in the set, you know. Yep. And, uh, and the year before, right? Yeah. Wasn't that like, yep. they did that. I was in cross-eyed and mm-hmm. down with disease, yeah. Yeah. So and, it's just And, and ah, I'm going to jump back in and say this David Bowie, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good. I mean, I think this whole set is played pretty flawlessly. It's it's really blissy peaks. It's great. I love it. Yeah, it's a very it's a really lean set in the sense that like they're not taking anything out for like a crazy jam. They're more in this for the energy. And it's a really cool approach for mm-hmm. all of these songs that at one point in their history were jam vehicles. Every single song played in this second set has jammed extensively before. Um, to me, like the no, musical no highlights. And no, no ballads. ballads. They no, never slow down. No pause. There's the there's only one break after Bowie concludes and then they go right into hood, but it's not a, there's no like note to hold them over, which is, which is kind of cool. It's you go to silence. They could have walked off stage after Bowie, but they've got 10 more, 12 more minutes. So we play hood. Why not? Because this is perfect. Um, To me, the musical peak of probably the entire run is that disease to no men transition Mm -hmm. Because they don't actually start playing No Men in No Man's Land. There's no chord. They're just playing this riff. And it's clear they came upon, oh, we could sing No Men over this. And Trey just starts doing it. But he's doing it faster than he would Mm -hmm. have, you know, normally played No Men. And it just feels like such a command over a song that's only 18 months old. And that has really become a part of the fabric of Fish by early 2017 would have an outstanding version at Dick's as well as at New Year's Eve, uh, the 1228 show of 2017. It just feels like when you do that coming out of down with disease, you know, your material, like, you know, this Mm. song backwards and forwards that you can just toss it into basically the ending of a jam. Um, it kind of reminds me of the party time that was played a couple weeks prior out of light where they're not playing party time, but they're kind of playing party time. <laughs> and so they sing enough of party time that they go into party time, but they're still kind of in light like that. No man is, is no men, but it's kind of part of down with disease. Um, one of my favorite fish set listing moves is when hood and slave are played within a few songs of each other, because both of those songs get the feels like mm-hmm. they both get the vibes and somehow they end set two with hood. You're on that high and they come out and we're going to go a major, just like high end, a couple octaves up a major. And we are going to just like set you out at sea and you are going to have this total bliss moment, this reflective period, and then we're going to close it all out with the three greatest minutes in rock and roll history with Tweezer Reprise. What a way to walk off stage and say, we're playing a lighter touring schedule this upcoming year, but we took care of you on the last night of it all. Yeah, you know, I really look at this set too as like disease, no men and sneak and Sally is really one, one thing. Mm-hmm. 
they're a piece. Um, I, I mean, I, it would be easy to just play one because they're tracked out nicely for you in the internet, but um, you shouldn't. You really need to listen to those together. Um, and then, yeah, this encore, Slave, After the Hood Closer, goddamn perfect. Except that mm. nobody freaking is driving. Come on, what are you going to take a shuttle? <laughs> that's not... That's, you know, that's the only only thing about that. No. <laughs> Freezer reprise, close the freezer, save us all until next time. Outstanding, outstanding stuff. So let's transition. Let's talk a little big picture. We've, we've gotten really in the weeds of these three shows, which um, I think we've all enjoyed. I think we've all really enjoyed mm-hmm. these shows. They, it was a it was a really unique look back. I would love to find another run similar to this where there's so much quality music, but nobody talks about it. Um, I'm curious. We talked a bit about kind of how the band approached Mexico 2017 versus 2016. Um, but I'm curious, can either of you identify a point that you think we talked about transition earlier and that kind of fall the winter period of 2016 being a time of transition. Did you pick up on at any point where the band is kind of shifting their sound and their approach towards the heavier jamming that we would get from 2017, mid 2017 to 2021. Do you hear that at all in this run? No, maybe. I really feel like they are playing collectively and collaboratively. Um, and if if I were to point to a point in the run where that really congeals, it would be Fuego and thereafter. Mm-hmm. But um, but I don't really know that it's a uh, you know a real like pivot point for the band or inflection point. Is that the right term? That's a term people use. Um, <laughs> I, I, I feel like these shows kind of, they stand as a really strong button on the year that they had just had the year since the last time they were there. Um, and, and that's, that I think this is something I said at the beginning, you know, it, it really feels like this is the end of 2016 for fish, just as some people often say that, um, you know, the island tour is not actually, you know, that that 98 begins in December 97 or you know, yeah. things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, d- the year is, it's different for the band, just the way they look at their calendars, their schedules, where they have to be. Um, and calendars are just artificial constructs anyways. Um, so, yeah. The, so I don't think I'm answering your question, but that is kind of, there's some further thoughts thereof. No, I think the I think the Fuego is a, is a really good possibility. I mean, I think it's it's kind of an amorphous idea. I'm just curious um, if if you guys are hearing any kind of point of transition. Meg, do you have any thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, when I think of fall 2016, like Trey changed up his rig, worked on his tone. They started to commit to more improv. I think of like that golden age from Vegas, and then I think after the Ziggy Stardust cover, they kind of ushered in a little bit more soulful kind of playing from the band sometimes. And I think that you hear that a little bit in this. I think the Fuego Caspian twist seven below bit is kind of when I would say that they kind of locked in during this run. I agree with Jonathan. It's kind of my yeah. thoughts. 
Yeah, that. I'm on the same page from a from a moment in this run. I think the Fuego. I think to to what you just said, Meg. Like that Vegas run, the Golden Age, feels to me like everything in fall was great until Vegas, and then um, they play this 25, 26 minute take on Golden Age, longer than they had before, and that's a jam that I will fully admit kind of went over my head. And I, I liked it, but I didn't love it. And then I went back and listened to it after they uh, webcast that show in the mm-hmm. 2020 spring dinner and movie series. And I was like, I missed something. <laughs> and I went back and listened to that jam <laughs> yeah. over and over again throughout 2020 because that jam, there's something about Trey and Fishman connecting uh, about 17 minutes in that while I don't, I would doubt at this point they've considered no repeats. They do know that they're playing MSG for 13 nights before anybody else does. I would venture to guess that that jam, if there was any moment that the band walked away from and we're like, let's keep trying to do this. It was that jam. You get that 20 minute mm-hmm. golden age from 1228. And then it spills over into this, you know, Mexico run where even though they aren't jamming 20 plus minutes, um, you know, they're, they're still they're hooking up. They're yeah. They're listening. Up, they're connecting. They're listening yeah. to each other. Um, one additional question before we start to close this thing out, we talked a bit about the like discrepancy between people who are on the side of these luxury shows and people who are not on the side of them. Do you think that Fish transitioning to become a band that plays these shows has changed them in any way? I don't really think so. I, I don't either. I mean, I think that Fish has Fish has embraced their own age and the age of their fans. And yes, there are younger fans, uh, which is wonderful for them and uh, in the scene at large, but. You know, there is a significant element of the fish fan base that is older and affluent and able to support these kinds of things. And I think the band enjoys it. They like to take a vacation. Uh, they like the beach. And so it works out for them. Um, as long as those pieces keep falling into place, I think it'll keep happening. And, you know... People like me will have to get over it. I long since <laughs> got over it. But uh, um, I think Fish yeah, is always going to be I, who they are. I, I don't think, yeah. I think a band that's been around this long, they're not ever going to change who they are inherently. I think they make decisions, people agree with them or they don't, but they're always their own band. And yeah, I feel similar, Jonathan. I'm. It never really works for me. I'm a teacher. It's hard for me to get away then. Super expensive. My husband's not into it. But I definitely... I feel jealous when people are there. It looks super fun, but I'm happy that they get to do it. I'm happy we get to live stream it. And I'm really happy to listen back and talk about it. So I, I don't think it changed fish at all though. I'm right there with you guys. I think that like the fears at the time of this turning fish into a band that there was going to be an exclusivity to their performances mm-hmm. have not been found. And it's an element of what they do. It's not what they do. 
you know, the, the, I mean, what's yeah. next? They're going to do residencies in New York city. Right. Vegas, <laughs> you know? Come on. Who are these guys? I mean, they played in Japan, you know, they're going to they right. wear costumes or something. You know? <laughs> Have like fire What are they going to the play a show for no one? Exactly. You know what I say? Fish can do whatever the hell they want to do. That's what I yeah. say. I'll be here for it. But- I'm, it's good that you and I agree with you think that. I bet you. I bet you Brian does too, because that is the one thing you know for sure. Fish is going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. And I think they... ultimately, like, if we've learned anything from the last two years, it's that it's really, really hard to make a sustainable income as a musician. And if you've gotten to a level where you can do these, let's call it what it is. Like the the run in Mexico is probably a great great investment from a band management standpoint more power to them i would love to go to a mexico run i tried to go this year actually and i think there was just so so much demand and they they opened it up a day Mm -hmm. earlier to to past uh past ticket holders but you know to me i'm at a point in my life where couch tour is the more realistic way for me to consume a lot of fish shows and getting three to four fish shows in the middle of January or now February is a good thing. Um, all right. Last question. And then we're going to move to close this Meg recommend a set or a jam from this run for people to listen to. I'm going to go night three set two. There it is. John. I mean, how could I not <laughs> recommend? Actually, you know what? I might go night three set one because mm. it's uh, it's pretty dope. Uh, that ghost Yamar thing that I was talking about earlier, the tweezers, compact and fun, the Roger. I mean, I already went over it, but um, I really like that. But you should listen to both of us. Just I'm going to go just do the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go night one uh, Fuego. It's it's my favorite jam uh, from this run. Uh, I, I'll extend it to that segment, but I don't think it counts for the question that I asked. Uh, I'm going to go with the Fuego. It's uh, if if there's anything that you can get in 20 minutes to understand why we like Mexico 2017, that is it. I will say and, I listened to all these shows, and that's the only jam I listened to twice. You texted me about it because it it I just did. it holds up. It holds up. I had to listen to it again. So that kind of proves your point. I, I listened to the ghost twice. There oh. it is. There it is. Well, that does it that? for this week of HF pod live. Thank you all so much for hanging with us here today on this Wednesday afternoon where I'm getting information that it is snowing like crazy outside. So I will probably be doing some shoveling this evening. Um, next week we will be back January 26th at 4.30 p.m. Eastern. We're going to be talking with our friends from the Groove Therapy Podcast. Really, really excited for that conversation. Something special coming up there. And uh, we're just going to keep on trucking here Wednesday afternoons. Uh, The podcast is released a couple hours after the live show concludes. So if you miss the show live, you can hear us uh, in your earbuds, the way that Jonathan heard that uh, song, I heard the ocean sing and uh, the wedge <laughs> on his nice little walk. Um, I'll be excited to see you all here. Before we go, though, Meg, do you want to tell us one more time about our sponsor at Sunset Lake CBD? I do. We want to tell you about our good friends at Sunset Lake CBD. 
So they are a farmer-owned business, and they ship CBD products directly from their farm to your door. And something that's super cool is that for years, they were a Vermont dairy farm that produced milk for Ben and Jerry's ice cream. But in 2018, they diversified and they started growing hemp for CBD. They've got products for everyone. They offer pre-rolls, hemp cigars, hemp flour, as well as tinctures, gummies, and CBD coffee, all crafted to help with stress, aches, and pains. Jonathan is showing us his salve. Am I saying that right, Jonathan? Sure. Salve? You've got a little softer on salve. Yeah, there you go. Salve. I've got to learn that. Yeah. yeah. So their salve looks savvy. Um, Sunset Lake CBD saves you money by shipping high-quality CBD products directly from their farm to your door. So visit sunsetlakecbd.com and use promo code HFPOD for 20% off your purchase. So that's sunsetlakecbd.com, promo code HFPOD. All right. Well, thank you, Meg. Thank you, John. This was a super fun conversation. Great running down memory lane from five years ago. I will see you all here same time next week. Bye, guys. Bye, y'all. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work, but we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love or want to love or hate yeah imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that that uh has impacted your life uh and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week
So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast.